Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and may beer be upon you. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading uh, Zabiba and the King by Saddam Hussein. <laughs> yes, that Saddam Hussein. That one, yeah, not some unfortunately named guy. And, uh, and we're going to need to start with a beer. So this beer is called Breathing Conversations by Finback because almost the entire book is just dialogue. It is, there's almost no narration. It's just people talking. Or action. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the most popular genre of romance novel, which is, is a Socratic dialectic. <laughs> with no sex. Oh, there's, there's one sex scene. Except, except for that one scene. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Not what Yikes. we had in mind. So this is a series that Finback has been putting out about a conversation about race and injustice and equality. Oh, this and is the wrong episode to use that one. <laughs> but it's called Breathing Conversations. I like, well, I don't know where I'm going to use it anywhere else. And this book is really just conversations. It's just, yep. uh, it's a double IPA, 8% alcohol. It's very, very nice. I mean, I, we could talk another time about the idea of a brewery like, hey, let's talk about race. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe I just want to get drunk. So Dom you know? talks a little bit about race in this, but not in a good way. Just about one in particular. Yeah, uh, this is Breathing Conversations. Delicious double IPA from Finback, always good. I don't really know. It doesn't say on this can what it is. They've done other iterations of this, and I don't know if they're the same formula or if it's changed, but it's a lovely thing. And if you want to get into, like, you know, social justice and drink, because, you know, what, what, Wild what, drunk. <laughs> what doesn't beer improve, just see this podcast, uh, then go for it. And if you just want a beer, you could also do that and just kind of save the social justice for another time. But this, this book is devoid of all social justice, um, and it's actually a tremendous social injustice that we had to read it. Kind of, in some ways, it's not, which is really, really weird and wildly conflicting. Because it's Saddam Hussein's version yeah. of social justice, so it's not that it's not in There's there. some views in the end that are like, I mean, he was kind of right about some stuff, like kings are bad, and he kind of ends with, like, the people should rule. He didn't really follow through on that, but... You know. I, think, I think the word we're looking for is propaganda. We <laughs> should, before we do anything else, just thank the listeners on Twitter who suggested us. Two different people said we should read this book. Two people said we should read well, this? Well, like one did, and then it was quickly seconded by someone else. And I, and, uh, and I just want to say uh, uh, to both of you, and I don't know if, if you want us to say your name, so I won't, but um, fuck you. Cause yeah, holy shit. Holy we all have God. to physically own this book now. We, we, we couldn't we even... We spent money on this. this <laughs> there's no way to get it otherwise. This is in my house, and uh, actually I was trying to read it earlier today to finish this turd. Excuse me, curd. Oh, no, a turd. And <laughs> my kid was like looking at a two-year-old daughter who's like looked at the book and said, Daddy, who's that? And I was like, I really don't want to have this conversation. We should tell because the cover of this book is a picture of Saddam Hussein. Because the original cover that they used in Iraq when... He wrote this book, mostly, theoretically, allegedly. <laughs> the cover they used is just a painting that they stole from some Canadian artist, and it's copyrighted. The cover does look like something from a, f- a fantasy role-playing game. <laughs> yeah, it does. And the guy was like, oh, I mean, like, I guess Iraq doesn't really have, you know, doesn't deal with copyright law internationally very well. He's like, what are you going to do? Go after Saddam Hussein? Like, let him have the painting. But when they publish it elsewhere... It has a different cover. And it wasn't... Pub- we, the money that 
we spend on this does not go to Saddam Hussein because he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> but <laughs> when the war happened, the second one, uh, some American businessman Robert translated Lawrence. it. Was just like, I'm going to translate this just as like a weird work of something that we should all know, just like as a weird part of history. Like this is a... At, at the time, getting a look into the inner workings of Saddam Hussein was very difficult to do. Like, a lot of intelligence agencies are like, we don't know how that guy works or anything that goes on over there. That guy's fucking nuts. And, like, the CIA read this book to try and get it. I kind of felt reading, sort of reading between the lines in the introduction that this is the guy that wrote the translation for the CIA and then was like, hey, guys, can I publish this? <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, "Well, he's not going to sue you, so go right ahead." <laughs> that's that's what I felt. That would be the far from the like the weirdest thing about the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So the other thing about the book is, okay, I want to say that tweet said it was an erotica novel. It's is not, that what yeah. the tweet said? Uh, I don't remember exactly how she phrased those it. Those were lies. It is publicly billed as like it's a romance. Saddam Hussein's erotic literature, but it's not. It's not erotic. Definitely not. Um, so in the introduction says, like, what is the book really about? And it's a good thing this was here, or else I really would not have gotten it. Uh, Zabiba and the King is an allegorical love story between a mighty king, Saddam, and a simple yet beautiful commoner named Zabiba, the Iraqi people. And Zabiba is married to a cruel, unloving husband who repeatedly forces himself upon her against her will the United States and coalition forces, and finally rapes her and beats her mercilessly. So if you notice in the, in the introduction, it keeps saying collation forces. It does, yes. <laughs> there's, there's, like, actually, there's plenty of things in the... Like, there's a couple of pages where it changes font for like a paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is not the highest quality book. I'm, I'm glad I didn't spring for the hardcover. Which I almost did. He was like six bucks more. I was like, if I have to have this, shouldn't I have the classier one? You know, like put this next to my leather-bound copy of the Count of Monte Cristo or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> my hardcover edition Books of, of Equal Stature. King. Well, I've only I've only read one of them, so I can't say. <laughs> and apparently, he has more. Apparently, this is there are three, two I, others. I three can't. Others? We cannot do it. It won't happen. I don't you know think what? they've been translated. Yeah, they, you can't get the Thank other ones. God, we can't do them. Oh no. I think one Saddam Hussein book is enough, considering the other authors that are good that we've only done one of. Yeah. Another interesting question in the introduction is, did Saddam Hussein really write the novel? And, you know, we should probably talk about that, actually, at the end. But the, 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 in the introduction, it, it seems to say, like, yeah, probably. I mean, it's not sure, but Might have been overall, partially ghostwritten, but... Overall, it very much could have been. Well, we can talk about Saddam's life a little bit at the end of it, but... Long story short, he loved reading. He's a huge book nerd. So it's very possible. There's not much else to do in Iraq, you know. <laughs> he had a weird childhood, which we'll discuss at the end also. Try and make sense of this mess. Because might as well discuss this fucking book. And I'm gonna drink this beer because I'm gonna need it. So this book is about the king and uh the hot lady that teaches him how to be a good king even though he's already king, and I don't know why he listens to her. Because it's an allegory, and it doesn't have to make sense, and because Saddam Hussein is not a good writer. Except allegories are supposed to make sense. Eh, it makes <laughs> enough sense. That's how they work. <laughs> it's supposed to teach you something. But it, you know, it takes place at his castle, or his you know, palace, 
which is in the desert. So it's kind of like a cactus palace. <laughs> is this uh, other half? This is by Other Half and Arizona Wilderness. I had this beer recently. This is a 10% Imperial India Pale Ale with prickly pear cactus and Arizona-grown Sonoran white wheat and barley. And it's... They grow barley in Mesopotamia. <laughs> can you... Uh... That's how they brew beer. Yeah. It's very good. Can you hold up the can? I just want to see the, if it's, it's the like one I have. It's psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. I had it. It's actually not even yellow. It's like a reddish color, the beer. If you pour it out into a glass like a gentleman. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to waste a step. Also, fun fact, beer was probably invented in Iraq. I can dig it. Now alcohol is illegal there, so, you know, they don't drink it there anymore. Oh, they still do. Do they? I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's, Ill- it's illegal, but they fucking do. That they were they probably go for the hard stuff. Phoenicianed with drinking. Uh, <laughs> no? They have an a serious <laughs> problem with it. Babylonia. I don't know the other ones. Uh so he wrote this, this fucking book. Right it, before it, the second war. Operation Iraqi Freedom, yeah. whatever the hell it was called. <laughs> yeah. Bad timing. It didn't have a cool Chief. name like Desert Storm. It was like I, Iraqi Freedom or something. Yeah, right? but it's, it's, yeah, just, it, it's it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't as memorable, you know. That was 2003, and this book came out in 2001, 2000, 2001. He was in his book phase of his dictatorship. Well, he might have dictated the book. (laughs) It's published in 2000. It's really actually not a lot of, for a 191-page book, it reads like a 791-page book because it's (laughs) so fucking boring. It's just a long conversation. Punctuated with like, the narrator character who doesn't matter. The old, the, the frame of the old lady who is telling this weird story to a bunch of kids. It's the worst story to tell kids. And, and she appears like three times in the book. It just comes back to the narrator. It's not like, you know, the Princess Bride where it like, goes back and forth between the grandfather and the grandson. The story. It's like every once in a while, like he needed a segue. <laughs> He's like, I want to end that scene. How do I do that? Oh, I'll know. The old lady had to take out her dentures. Okay. Or when, or when she needed to say something weird, like when the old lady talks about how, uh, how sexy mouths are. Well, they are. It's like, you know, you're talking to the kids about this long uh, discussion on like what it means to be a good leader and the right thing to do. It's like, by the way, kids, mouths are fucking hot. I just thought I should let you know. And then goes back to the story. It's like, why... Why? Why'd you go there? Saddam was into blowies. Like, why would he <laughs> not, not want to advocate for those? You know? I don't know. So the actual plot of the story is that the story within the story, the old lady telling the story, takes place somewhere in the 600s AD, back when Islam was new, I guess you could say. It's it supposed was, to take yeah, place somewhere around the then. the king isn't even a Muslim. He's a pagan. Yeah, he kind of becomes one, but... He's still like worshipping Marduk, or whatever <laughs> the fuck they had then. Wasn't he a character on Space Ghost? Marduk was a Babylonian god at one point. I know that. Okay. Like a Neo-Babylonian god, like, you know. Was there an older Babylonian? There was a Neo-Babylonian? Absolutely. Damn. Mesopotamia is fucking mad old. It's the first civilization. (laughs) They went through many phases. So the king, who was just called the king the entire time. Uh, They name him like a third through the book. His name is King Arab. Yeah. (laughs) It's... (laughs) subtle yeah it's like one sentence the king decides <laughs> it's gonna go to the other palace a mile away that's not owned by him it's owned by some other dude but he's there and he stops in this house that's just kind of like a regular house there's really more of a hut 
and there's a beautiful woman there <laughs> named Zabiba, which means raisin. Which isn't there the theory that the uh, the in the in the Quran where it talks about getting 72, 72 virgins that that might be a mistranslation of like an other word for raisins. <laughs> Like that's a real thing that has that been suggested. A real thing? I have no idea. That's a real. I'm not making that up. That's that's like some deep theo- theology shit. That I, heavy I duty Islamic exegesis <laughs> about. It's like it's like blessed are the cheese graters. <laughs> like it's, it's said that you know you're supposed to get you know a, a Muslim martyr gets the 72 virgins in paradise, but some people said that that not because, actually in the Quran, by the way. It's an extra writing. It's about the Quran, but it wasn't. Is that the, the is that hadith. the hadith? It's correct. Seventy-two raisins is pretty underwhelming. It's like not even like a whole. It's like really whole not worth red, it. Like that whole little <laughs> box, like one, of a sun-made. one sun-made box for you. <laughs> Make it last. You're here forever. But in so the problem is like you know the Prophet Muhammad was illiterate, and you know in that world like a whole bunch of languages were spoken, and the word that it is often translated as virgins from this random hadith might have been an Aramaic word that meant white grapes. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be I don't believe in a god but man would it be fucking funny if it turned out to be true and you like you know were some sort of is like ISIS extremist and you fucking die and then you're like well fucking bring on the virgin They're like no, no it's it's grapes actually but thanks 72 of them that's it 72 it's about a pound and a half <laughs> count them <laughs> count them I dare you to count them it's 72 <laughs> oh, oh no no I trust you I trust you Allah I'm sure you would not cheat me out of a no no I really I really want you to I really want people to know <laughs> Allah well I'll follow He's a through. stickler for the rules <laughs> no oh oh boy that was that was worth it uh that was, thanks a lot it would be fucking amazing that would be worth it to find out like when I burn in hell for being a heretic that there's people who are really disappointed that they just got grapes. <laughs> They're doing only a little bit better than the people. Well, there's no suffering, but it's just, just grapes. Oh, these are, it's really chewy. It's kind of like rubber. and Getting pretty tired of them. <laughs> but also you can eat 72 well, in like a have mouthful. Many, so that won't last. <laughs> it's not really a lot. 72 grapes is not going to take very long to eat. You get like two days worth of grapes in heaven. I'm assuming you don't really get hungry. You don't have to eat. They're just more like a recreational grapes. Recreational grapes. That might be the best band name yet. <laughs> it's the California Raisins cover band we form. <laughs> All right. So, um. so the actual plot <laughs> is the king falls, you know, immediately oh, yeah. is quite taken with the young woman, Zabiba, who's very beautiful, and invites her. She's already married to some dude who's Mr. Sabiba. He never gets a name. He's, he's and, never named. And he basically he invites her back to the palace where they just talk. They just talk. And that's pretty much the rest of the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's three like a hundred pages of them talking <laughs> and having conversations where he's like, what do you think about, you know, being a king? And she's like, oh, well, I think it's this. And then like she keeps like saying things and eventually... She'll go a little too far, and she'll have to be. But I'm so sorry. I don't mean you. And he's like, "It's okay. I I like you, and you could be honest." And they just keep doing that over and over again. And she says the same thing over and over again, which is a king needs to care about his people. And he's like, "I care about the people." No, no, you must become one of the people. And then like the allegory part, like really gets 
even more heavy-handed when they just start calling her Zabiba, daughter of the people. Conscience of the people. Obvious, I guess it wasn't obvious enough already that Zabiba represents the the people of Iraq yearning for the sweet, sweet freedom of Saddam's rule. It was fairly repetitive. I feel like I read the same page about 150 times. It was unfairly repetitive. It was unfair to <laughs> us to have to read it. I'm trying to find some quotes. Because I actually fucking took notes on this book. I took some notes, but then after a while, it's just like, they're just saying the same shit. Zabiba says, yes, my great king. I want you to be the conscience of the people, its symbol and its heroic knight, not a, simple, uh, not a symptom of its weakness. I want the crown to be your symbol, not your master in your chains. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and above you and me will be our freedom, the ideals of our state, our nation, and our people. Who fucking talks like that? <laughs> what what commoners in girl. the desert, Nate? In 650 AD. And then he's always like, accurate. maybe, maybe I will. And okay, I'll do it for you because she's hot. Oh, also, he has a bunch of wives because that was the way it was back then. And she's like, hey, maybe, you know, you should uh, watch out for having so many wives, you know, they, not because like, it's not cool, but like you could piss them off and they could try to hurt you. And he's like, well, you know, I have less than my dad, so it's okay. He's like, it's still pretty dangerous. A lot of wives, like, but I... But I like banging bitches. I don't, I don't understand the question. And she's like, oh, let's move on to another topic. That's pretty much it, yeah. Yes, a great king finds glory by his great deeds, but all of his deeds are done by and through the people. What does that mean? It's propaganda here. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I thought it was very odd that, you know, in this book written by Saddam, the king clearly is Saddam. Zabiba is the people. The king is kind of stupid. Well, because he's a king. Like, he didn't actually have to be very like smart or good at uh, yeah, anything. Yeah, but in this book written by Saddam, the king is Saddam, a man who genocided people for looking weird at him. It's one of the reasons why this was probably written by Saddam, because if anyone else wrote it, and it was like, hey, you made me look like an idiot. Yeah. I can't allow that. Death. When they published the book... uh the name it was published under, it didn't say Saddam Hussein. It said it was written under the name translated from Arabic. He who wrote the book. Like, oh, that clears <laughs> it up. <laughs> but it's like everyone knew it was Saddam. It wasn't a she. That's all you knew. Apparently, that's a standard practice in the Middle East of when you want to have an anonymous thing. It's like, the, what's that like fucking fake director name? Like Arthur Shippey or something like that? Or Alan Smithy? Alan Smithy's what it is. I don't know what that is. It's the name that was used in Hollywood for many, many years of like if a, de- a director didn't want their name attached to a movie because uh, like, the studio yeah. fucked it up. Okay, yeah. And it was Alan Smithy uh, was the stupid name that they would just use, uh, which now nobody uses it anymore. But it was, you know, that kind of format. So if you were a movie person, you'd be like, oh, this is, this is going to be bad, <laughs> this, <laughs> this movie. Um, <laughs> So, about 60 pages in, you get the first actual, like, action of the plot, which is someone tries to kill the king. This is my favorite part. But bringing the, him a pot of honey, like, flower juice. No, that's the second <laughs> time they try to kill him. That's no, the second time. But, but oh, the, the sword. Zabiba, like, jumps in front of the blade so that the king doesn't get stabbed. 
So she gets stabbed instead. But she gets better. You know, as you do. When you get stabbed in the chest by a sword. This was my favorite part because it shows how stupid the king is. She's healing. And they're talking about it. It's like, oh, you know, we got that guy. And, you know, he's like, oh, clearly, like, he's not on his own. This is a conspiracy. They're, they're like, the emirs and the generals and the nobles are out to get you because you're going to become a king of the people or just because that's what emirs do. They, you know, scheme and plot. And he says, you know, you killed that one guy. But he said, that was just one poison dart. You must find the bow and the quiver of arrows. And he's like, but he had a sword, not a bow. He's like, she said, <laughs> I'm speaking figuratively. And he's like, okay. He's like, dude, how stupid are you? And then later when they try to poison him, he's like, a chamomile brew is not an arrow. I was like, I'm still speaking figuratively, dude. It's kind of, yeah, it goes, it goes against the thing of him writing about himself kind of, right? Like he's making himself look like a shit. He's making himself look really stupid. Not even just like not a good king, but like dumb. But then this goes on a whole bunch of times. And then they, you know, she saves him a few times. And then she is on their way home and she gets abducted by bandits and she gets repeatedly raped. Well, by one guy. And he's... By one guy, yes. he beats the shit out of her. And she bites his neck off. Yeah. But then he beats her more and she's like, oh, I can't... She's like, I have to keep fighting him. And then she goes home. But like... And she sees this. It's a whole long thing. Like, And this is where... This is another thing where I was like, man, this is a cat. This is a topic Saddam Hussein is woefully incapable of handling well. <laughs> like, and <laughs> it's, it's just like, she's like, I am a woman. You're saying Saddam Hussein is not the kind of guy who wants to, that you would look to for advice on like consent and feminist or, issues? Yeah, like surviving abuse and like trauma. No, he's not. It turns out he's not good at it, despite often infringing, enforcing uh, in, in, in it or inflicting, inflicting that sort of yeah. That he's, she's like, I am a woman who has been raped and I am worthless now. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, dude. And then she's like, the, one of the first things she thinks is she sees the horse that she was riding. She's like, a beast can hurt my body, but a man can hurt my soul and make me a piece of shit because I've been raped. And it just keeps saying raped Destroy her and honor. raped and raped. It just keeps saying it over and over again. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like, I'm never a person who's like, we need trigger warnings. But like, man, it was like pretty heavy handed and upside. <laughs> Christ. It was. So would you call this? <laughs> I might. <laughs> Would you call would you call that stranger than chocolate and coconut? <laughs> this is Stranger Than Chocolate and Coconut by Collective Arts. Uh, this is a porter with natural flavors, that being chocolate and coconut, and it is five point five percent alcohol. And it's pretty good. It's fine. It's uh definitely coconutty, which I like. I would say so the thing is about those big imperial stouts is that they're really thick. And you can definitely only have one. (laughs) And you could definitely only have one of those, or at least I can only have one because they're really intense. Whereas this is a beer, you know, it's only 5%, 5 5.5%. So you could have a dozen of them. Yeah, you can have, you know, it's a a children's beer. Basically a Bud Light. It kind of is. Bud Light's like four and a half. So what I need to know is why we don't have more patrons on Patreon. I, great question. Well, if you do head over, if you do want to support the podcast, like, you know, if we read this shit book you made us read, you could head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club. The person who requested this wasn't even a patron. I know. Imagine what we do for money. (laughs) (laughs) We're not reading Saddam's other books. I mean, I'm not going to learn 
fucking Iraqi Arabic to read them. So that's a big impediment right there. And if they were published in English, I'd be I'd be willing to maybe read them. But no. But if you head over to patreon.com uh, slash uh, patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, you can support us there and uh, get all sorts of cool things like voting our monthly book poll, get early access to episodes, get Patreon exclusive content, and get even tangible physical goods. So if you're so inclined, head on over to there. And that we would appreciate it greatly. You could also just leave us a review wherever you're listening, and that is also uh, greatly appreciated. Just give us uh, one star for each 10,000 of people Saddam Hussein had disappeared. That'll add up to at least five. Yeah. Right? How many? He purged a lot he of people. He purged a lot of people. But you would never know it from reading this book. He, yeah, he, clearly he was... Uh... A sensitive man. Yeah. No, no, he was not. <laughs> He's a gentle... He was just a lover of literature and... And, uh, you know, medieval romance novels. Yeah. It's like the Don Quixote of the Middle East. So Zabiba goes home and finds out upon looking through the window and seeing her husband washing out his neck gouge that it was her husband who raped her. Why he did this, I don't know, because he's been raping her at home for the whole book. But he's a metaphor for America, raping the people of Iraq. Well, let's get to the metaphors. There's a question here about this. Because... I can't imagine. So the the concept of like marital rape is a relatively new thing in legal terms. Yeah, right. I can't believe Saddam Hussein was like it's that's still a legal in we, a bunch of states. Yeah, I can't imagine it's legal in. I can't imagine it's illegal in Iraq, <laughs> like or it was in two thousand. Like no, it's certainly mean? not in six hundred. Her father got his goats. Yeah, no, it was literally that's the her end father. Of the transaction. Her father basically sold her to this guy for money. And when he comes to visit, he has to sleep outside because the raping makes him uncomfortable. That's a real thing that happened in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another example of Saddam just delicately handling issues. (laughs) Just Uh, just a gentle touch of Saddam Hussein. (laughs) (laughs) The gentle touch of Saddam Hussein. That's the name of his smooth jazz album. That's, (laughs) as you say, it's the worst erotica He only plays the clavinet. Oh god! <laughs> oh no! Um, but uh, with the husband, you know, they're married. But the husband also like doesn't seem to mind. This is six hundred A.D. You know, Iraq, and she's just like kind of like coming back and forth, like, "Oh, I'm going to the king's palace again today." And the husband's like, "All right, well, you pick up milk on the way home." Like, it's it's kind of weird. That's the dynamic of their relationship. You know, she talks about how if the king tells you to do it, you, you have to do it. And she says, like, well, have you ever been with a woman who could say no to you? And he's like, uh, no. Ha, ha, ha. But also That's her husband great. was mad at her because he wouldn't, she wouldn't go with him to all their wife sh- swapping orgies. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> she was the one who, person who could get out of it. Yeah. Because he, because her husband is a rich, was the was a an important dude, you know. Like so, she's like able a, to get out of it. But, or but a merchant or something. I think Saddam needed a reason to explain how she knew about it. So he says, "Well, she was curious about it, so she dressed up as one of the maids or servants just to see what it was like." So this is like a decadence of the West kind of thing. Yeah, basically. But then the husband, well, also right before the husband violently uh, assaults her. The king is like, hey, how about, she's like, no, I have to be my husband, I have to be married to him until I could repay the amount of money he gave my father, and at this rate, it's going to take a while, 
And he's like, how about I just give you that money because I could probably find it in these couch cushions because I'm a fucking king. And she's like, that would be, that would be actually be really helpful. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> let's do that. And she's like, oh, my God, you're the best king, like, probably ever. And then the husband. So you get kind of the impression that, like, the husband senses that she's, or I got the impression that the husband senses she's trying to leave him for the king. And he's going to either, like, try to remind her that she can't or... Or just, like, defile her so the king won't want her. So she can't. Yeah, so the king won't want her. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that happens there because he... The husband dresses up as a bandit and it's all, like, you know, quite a violation that's going to happen. Like, what king would want to marry her then? And actually... Speaking of violations... Yeah. Oh, God. Page 127. Okay, I thought this was a beer, dude. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) This is the part about the bear. Oh, God, the bear. This is after oh, this. So this is after Zabibo was raped, and she says, "Even an animal respects a man's desire if it wants to copulate with him. Doesn't a female bear try to please a herdsman when she when she drags him into the mountains, as it happens in the north of Iraq?" And then it's there's the editor's country. note. The editor assumes that the author was referring to Russia, whose symbol is the bear. Though not immediately adjacent, Russia is Iraq's neighbor to the north. Otherwise, this is really demented. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the podcast that we've heard that I heard about this book on uh, also speculates and probably is more accurate is that he's calling the Kurds animal fuckers because Saddam Ooh. hated the Kurds mm. and they're in the northern Iraqi mountains. And he's like, yeah, you know, like those people that fuck animals up north, those weirdos. They're the Welsh of the Middle East. (laughs) So after Zabiba is raped, there is a, the palace coup happens, where the rebellion happens, where there's this big, literally, fight, like armies of the the king and Zabiba against the rebels. The usurpers. Yeah. But Zabiba is killed. She's like shot with an arrow and then dies. But she has enough time to give a long, dramatic uh, quick take this down speech to give to the king. Yeah, she, she gets someone to take dictation <laughs> on this letter. <laughs> and she dies dramatically. Dearest king. No, scratch that. <laughs> Your majesty. No, too formal. What do you... Uh, it's just... <laughs> she goes through the whole thing and then it ends with like, and thus I die. <laughs> and then, oh, wow. He's going to get the message. And then he's like, what do I do now? And then begins... And then he goes... He leaves the book, too. A fucking parliamentary (laughs) transcript. It's not even... It's like a community meeting for, like, a local town in Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, what do we do about this? It's like 40 pages. It's it's the last quarter of the book. It's the third of the book. It's It's so much. We don't know what fractions are. We don't agree, but, yeah, it's a lot of the book. It was from, like, a page 140 on of just community meeting. Someone took down the minutes at the weirdest it. community meeting ever. And each character, this like just new characters are introduced every few pages and then forgotten about. And it's like, and then Omar the tent maker <laughs> spoke and he was like, I think we should get to fuck more goats. And they're like, no, it's never anything that interesting. It's always just until Shamil. Oh, we'll get to sh- we'll get to Shlemiel and the Shlemazel uh, <laughs> later on, but it's basically all just shit that you'd have to know a lot about Iraq to get the allegory for, and we don't. And even the editor didn't even bother putting notes for much of it. He's just like, and here's a shepherd guy who's like, what about this? And everyone's like, not a bad idea. And then they move on, but but it takes 17 pages to get through that bad idea. 
Uh, and eventually we get to Shamil. Uh, I think he has a title, and, though. And he's like, Shaman, guys, listen up. And he's Shamil, the Jew. <laughs> and you're like, this can't, this is not going to go well. Yeah. When you introduce him as <laughs> Shamil, the Jew. It's like, I, I don't think he's going to have a lot of positive qualities. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Of course, you know, handled delicately by famous women's rights activist and uh, Jewish rights activist, Saddam Hussein. <laughs> Friend of Israel. <laughs> oh, wait. Long time ago. No. <laughs> Actually bombed them. Okay. <laughs> and Shamil the Jew is like, I also supported the king, but you could, you know, he's saying it and you could, you could hear the voice. You could picture what Saddam was hearing. Yeah. And he's like, I said lots of money. And then you're like, oh, fuck. And he's like, I didn't, I supported the troops. And then, and then someone's like, Shamil, you have a son who's 20 and you just hid him from fighting because you're a coward and he's like what i can't hear you because oh my god what is what is the point of this and then the next character rises up and denounces him and they're all like and we should kick him out and they're all like yes here here get all the shamils out be gone shamil like oh jesus christ thanks and there's there's a there's another character that is apparently also represents Israel. Uh, Hezkel, Hezkel, his, yeah, Hezkel. Who was? Who the fuck was he? He's one of the emirs. Oh, he was to one, the of, king. one of the guys who tried to like usurp him because you know yeah. the Jews are always out to get Saddam Hussein. That's that's, that's what the Hatikva says. Actually, word for word, it's that's what it's saying. Yeah, we want to take Iraq. I think that's what I've read. <laughs> is that not right? Is that Nate? Is that correct? Was that in the? Is that the protocols? Is that one of the protocols? (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, so he's not really... His handling of the Jewish question... It's not a question uh, to him. It's questionable, (laughs) yeah. But then there's other things where... There's a couple footnotes where it's like... And then there's a guy whose name is like Nori Chalabi. And this guy is clearly Ahmed Chalabi. (laughs) It's like, well, that's... That's not really that different... It's like you're a thinly veiled uh, metaphor, subtle. Saddam. <laughs> Saddam was never one for yeah. subtlety, though. So, I mean, I guess I'll give it to him. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that guy stood for an, uh, in for a guy who lived in London, who was like a U.S. backed, you know, Iraqi political opposition person in leader. opposition. He, by the way, who it, this the book doesn't go into it. He's the person who told the CIA that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. Whoops. And they fucking believed him. His code name was Curveball. <laughs> and they still fucking believed him. Oh, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it's, it was a little less subtle passage of the book, but Saddam Hussein is clearly a literary talent gone too soony. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, come on. Nate? Yeah. That's not, that doesn't get a chuckle. <laughs> I chuckled, chuckled a little. I chuckled a little. So uh, they have this big meeting. It's the last quarter of the book. And then uh, they get a messenger come in and they whisper something in the leader guy's ear. After they decide that they're going to vote and not have the king anymore. And they're like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Fuck kings. That's the idea of hereditary, de- hereditary succession is stupid. So let's have a people's council ruling Iraq. Zabiba had been critical of the hereditary rule earlier in the book. Or more like even dictators needed to pretend that they had, were doing democracy, that the people had a voice and they were representing the people. Yeah. 
Because I think he was technically president. I mean, not in a fair and election. He was unanimously elected every time. Yeah. What are the odds? Pretty good. Well, back in, this is, well, Saddam, one of most Saddam's most infamous moments was his purge of the, uh, his enemies in the Ba'ath Party. This was 1978, 79, something like that, where he... <laughs> was his enemy in the Ba'ath Party this, this, tub girl? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we know this happened because Saddam had this videotaped. So there's literally a video recording this happened where Saddam, who was already kind of like head of the the Ba'ath Party at the time, and not technically leader of the government yet, but where he read a fake confession by somebody naming 68 co-conspirators in some plot to overthrow Saddam. These people were at the meeting and were literally being dragged away one by one as Saddam was reading their names out. And they were, and within, and they were like just basically being murdered or they're being thrown in prison and then given a show trial and then, you know, executed days later. I have one more beer for today. Oh God. And I just want to drink it. Drink it. No, and this just has to do with, you know, talking about the WMDs. This is called Technological Nightmare. (laughs) Um, And the fact that this book could be mass printed, that's also a form of a technological nightmare. This is a (laughs) Damn you, Gutenberg. You didn't know what we didn't know what what bad came with it. Uh, this is an eight and a half percent alcohol double IPA from Finbeck that's uh, dry hopped with Mosaic Idaho Seven and El Dorado, and uh, it's like the most bitter double IPA I've had from Finbeck in a long time. I actually, kind of really dig it. It's just a different uh, thing. It's it's still very much in like the juicy world, but it is a, a little bit more a little bit more uh, hop bitterness in the front of it. It's nice. Bitter like ruling Iraq. Bitter like having your country apparently raped by the United States of America, which is what Saddam Hussein is saying here. Yeah. He's he's one for subtlety. He was a famously uh, silk-gloved man. Well, he does have um, that the day Zabiba gets raped. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is the day of the first, like, launching of missiles on Iraq in the first Gulf War. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, it's a who metaphor. Would figure this code. <laughs> I just picked a day, you know. Just felt like felt like the right it's one. It's the only date in the book. Yeah. By the way, this year. was on January seventeenth. Like, did January exist in yeah. seven hundred Iraq? Ju- the Julian calendar. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I find that hard to believe, but I mean, I guess I don't know. I also just don't understand, like, why why the king is not a Muslim in the story. He kind of becomes one partway through the story. The people, the people bring him to because because be at one Muslim. point they have another weird conversation. And you know what? It kind of feels like a conversation out of Fifty Shades of Grey, where he's talking to this another person. master of subtlety. Yeah, exactly. That's maybe that's why it reminds I think me. This of that. is written better. Oof, that's that's a, that's a that's a race nobody wins. <laughs> but he. He's like, oh, well, you, uh, you will pray to your God. And she's like, yes, I pray to my God because that's how praying works. And he's like, hmm, touche. I pray to my God, but he's locked in a cupboard because we locked the, lost the key for him. <laughs> I haven't seen him in said. weeks. <laughs> she's like, my God's everywhere. And he's like, that's silly. My God is in a closet and I leave you know, pork chops out for him <laughs> on Saturdays because that's what he likes. Uh, Probably not pork. They, I mean, he, they might have been okay with pork. I mean, he was clearly worshiping some sort of 
essentially Mesopotamian, you know, Babylonian god, which none of us can name any of. <laughs> Ninhursag. Gilgamesh, I don't know, one of those people. Is Gilgamesh a god? He's, he's like one-third god. A Gilgamesh. third? How do you be a third anything? Dude, I don't fucking... Listen, they basically invented math. I'm going to trust them. They invented the numerals, at least. Uh, Mesopotamian Not numerals the ones we use. horrendous. They used base 60. That's about Arabic numerals. That's fucking garbage, base 60 math. Base 60 is not the most practical. Roman numerals were basically just as bad, though. No, Roman numerals are... They're, they're differently bad. They're <laughs> bad... Uh, first Still of Roman really hard had, to do math with. It's just because they couldn't carve yes. curves. They could only do straight lines, so they couldn't do numbers yet. Because, like, twos are hard to do. They didn't have that... You fucking <laughs> <didn't> asshole. <laughs> But you know the reason why uh, the Roman numeral thing of like having IV is four as opposed to just like four ones? It wouldn't fit? It's a, it's a cheaper thing. Like if you were paying guys like per letter, mm. IV only is only three, three lines yeah. to, to get, get paid to by the chisel stroke. Exactly. Apparently they had a really good, really good union. <laughs> <laughs> United Chisel Workers 302 was really powerful in Rome. <laughs> That's really why that that's what if you look at like really early Roman carvings, it, uh, four is just four eyes, or like uh, nine is a V, and then four eyes after it. Like the V was because of your hand. Like if you go like your four fingers, and then you put your thumb out, and that's kind of like a V. That's why f- V is five. But you know, so it makes sense if like that's five, and then you put like a finger from the next hand, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, whatever. So they, uh, yeah. Oh, Breaks down you, at that point. Then you get all like Wolverine or something. <laughs> Wu Tang and Wu Tang was the holiest. And of they d- were digits. nothing to fuck with. Cash ruled everything around them. Well, let's finish off this book because in one sentence oh, left. Yeah, oh, uh, anything. They're at the community we could do community meeting, and they're hearing uh, about the local ordinances on water fountains. And then <laughs> a messenger runs in and whispers in the main head guy's ear, and he's like, "The king is dead." The main character died off screen, and uh, he's like, let's have a funeral, and then we'll get back to this meeting. And that's the end. You know, like, that's kind of how community, community meetings go. Yeah. They're like, should we put a speed bump on Elm Street? And then they just argue for 48 minutes, and I guess, let's table it. <laughs> but that's the end of Saddam Hussein's uh, masterpiece. Oh, his masturbate piece. His opus? Mr. Hussein's opus? that's that's a really interesting movie starring richard (laughs) dreyfus uh that's so if we didn't make it clear at any point up till now it's a it's a this is a whirlwind and a great it's a masterpiece it's worth reading everyone should read it another reason why i think saddam actually did write it is because it's so bad (laughs) <laughs> it's almost like if he got a ghostwriter to write anything, who had written anything in the novel form, it would have been better than this. It's like yeah. it's too it's too bad to have been written by anyone else. I think there are like Kurds who were like, I'd rather get gassed than read this fucking book. That's how bad this is. It's offensive. And the translator note says, like when in translating it, I simplified a lot of sentences that would have said the same thing over and over again. I just kind of like 
gave you the he said, gist. I, like you, I kept the I kept the repetition to just two times instead of four times saying the same point four times over. And this could have been a really much shorter book if he kept it to the normal standard of just saying things once. You know, like it's an atrociously bad book. I I was waiting to the last minute to read it because it was so bad. Yeah, and I was reading it today. I slept for eleven hours last night. It was fucking glorious. I laid down. I was like laying on the couch to read it. I fell asleep. I had no weary bone in my body. Yeah, it was so bad. I was like, I'd rather, I'd rather go to sleep than read this. And I and and every fiber in my body was like, yeah, great idea. Anything but this book. And I just passed out for forty five minutes. It was, it was the best part of reading the book. Honestly, I think that it would uh, help us understand the book a little better if we learned a little bit about Saddam the Man. And therefore learn a little bit about ourselves. Oh, yeah. We'll learn that. We'll learn something. But this is the Cliff Notes version of Saddam's life before becoming president, dictator. What was his title, by the way? Was he president, president of Iraq? Yeah. Is that what he was? President. So when his, when, he was, when, his, when his mother was pregnant with him, six months before he was born, his dad disappeared. Never to be seen again. Might have been killed by bandits. They don't really know. Also, his other, his older brother died, and the problem with Saddam's uh, backstory is that you're never sure a hundred percent what's true and what's not, because the person you would have gotten it from generally was him. So it's hard to tell what's actually happened. But the way the story goes is that his mother tried to kill herself while she was pregnant by running in front of a bus, and she was screaming, "This baby has killed his father and brother." And wants to be the only man in the family, so she tries to kill herself and him. But uh, some family—I think it was a family of Jews—saved him, which they would come to regret that. <laughs> and so she named him Saddam, which means one who confronts. And uh, it was the two of them living in a in a hut, doing you know they were dirt poor. He wanted to, he, he wanted nothing more than to go to school and learn math and reading. And his mother said, no, you have to be a farmer. (laughs) And then uh, at age 10, he decides, I'm going to go to school. So he runs away. He finds his relatives and he wants to go to Tikrit. Uh, And his relatives say, yeah, here, you can go live with your uncle there. And uh, his uncle also was a famous author who wrote a pamphlet most famously known. And the pamphlet was called, Those Whom God Should Not Have Created, Persians, Jews, and Flies. Well, they're in good company, at least. <laughs> Persians referring to Iran. And, of course, a year after he became president, he starts the Iran War, and, you know, that goes well. When he's vice president for, like, 11 years, he decides everyone in Iraq is going to learn how to read. And he starts reading programs for everyone, because it's a majority illiterate country in the 60s still. And he makes it a crime not to go to these reading programs and if you don't go, you go to jail for three years. And in these few years, the country learns how to read, like almost everyone, because he fucking loves books. And then he killed a shitload of people. But <laughs> he loves books. <laughs> loves them. So in, in addition to his uh, Stalinist purge in 1979, so, okay, after the Iranian Revolution in 1979, uh, and so sometime around 1980, um, Saddam and Iraq, they invade Iran because they think the revolution made them weak. 
which, you know, is not the uh, craziest idea, but he, you know, invades Iran to take them over. And instead of being able to take it, take them over, it was just a brutal, brutal war that lasted for years, almost, almost a decade. Um, it was practically like trench warfare again. Uh, Saddam used chemical weapons on Iran. A million died. Two million died. Yeah, it was, it was a, a lot. Yeah, it was a lot just in that war. So that was, and at some point during the war, Saddam was getting some assistance from the United States to fight Iran because we really didn't like Iran at the time. Still don't. After it's, but there's also, so, okay, Iran is a very, I mean, Iraq is a very, um, as it has three major ethnic groups. There's the, there's the, the, uh, the Sunnis, the Shias, and the Kurds. The Kurds who live in the northern part of the country, they're not Muslim, by the way. The Kurds are not Muslim. They live in the northern part of the country. They have, at least some have wanted their own country for a long time and wanted to separate and sort of have a Kurdish homeland. That's been going on for quite a, quite a long time now. And Saddam used some of his chemical weapons on them. This is somewhere around, somewhere in the mid-80s, 70s, 80s? Anyway, and 250,000 were killed with chemical weapons. The economy totally crumbles. I think it has to do with the decline in oil prices, and so Saddam decides to take over Kuwait. He had nationalized oil. Oh, and, yeah, and the banks. Not great for your currency for uh, foreign investment when you just decide to take over, nationalize the banks. Um so, and then in 1989, uh, 1990, somewhere around, he is Saddam in Iraq. They invade Kuwait because Kuwait is right next door and has a ton of oil. And then you've get the first, the first U.S. invasion, though that was a desert storm. And at the times, Iraq had the, one of the biggest militaries in the world. It was like the third biggest, fourth biggest, fifth biggest. It was pretty, considering, you know, it's... Couldn't rival the United uh, States or Soviet Union, country. but it was it, but it was like you know, a very large military. Anyway, they still lose to the United States, but so George H. W. Bush, who was president at the time, decides that they didn't need to take over the entire country, and they think that an internal, they think Saddam will get rid of himself, or more like an internal like revolution or you know uprising will get rid of Saddam at that point. But that doesn't happen. Gasses the Kurds again. <laughs> and a lot more die. This time it's personal. Yeah, exactly. And then for between around 1990-ish and 2003, uh, Iraq has very much been... Well, it, you know, they no longer have their military and they their economy, I think, wasn't doing great. And there are sanctions and they're not allowed to sell all their oil or even any of their oil. The country's not uh, doing so well. In the midst of all that, Saddam wrote this book. In his downtime. Yep. I think it was in the other podcasts I heard. It was towards the end of his reign. He kind of got tired or bored of running Iraq and like wouldn't show up for meetings and was doing anything because he was just writing these books. He wrote, one of them is like 700 pages. Like he was just on a tear. I think they said he, uh, I, think, I forget what it was exactly, but like he was sending notes to like be edited, probably not extensively because no one would dare edit him, uh, like right before the invasion in 2003. Hmm. It's like, um, I'm going down, might as well have my book ready. 
Make sure that rape scene's really explicit for me, please. Make sure it's handled, you know, very well. <laughs> Appropriately. Apparently he got um, only 3,052 negative votes among an electorate of 8.4 million. You know, it was... Yeah, that's like a fucking rounding He was era. man of the people. <laughs> Clearly well, wasn't a fair election. <laughs> no. Neither was this book. It was unfair to us. And we really shouldn't have elected to read it. <laughs> no, and no one else should either. Do you feel like you uh, gained right. anything by reading this? Other than saying... I gained I like, a book I, in my house. <laughs> I read a book by Saddam Hussein once, which is an interesting story enough to tell people. I have a really funny gag gift to give to somebody. Or you're not going to keep it? You're not going to frame it? Put it on a no. shelf? I mean, I'm going to... I'm not going to throw gonna, it in the trash, you're not but like... Gel, geld it like a pair of baby shoes and put it on your mantle? <laughs> I'm not going to throw it away, but it's like if I need if I if I go to a Yankee swap, <laughs> I think this is what, That's what you get. Who wants to play a game of shit elephant? <laughs> Just there you go. Um, I'm I'll keep it. It's fine. I don't really mind having it. I have space. Uh, I'll, I'll use it to level out a table. I'm not going to make an effort to get rid of it, but if the t- if the opportunity comes, I I will purge it because I don't need to own this. I'm not well, going to read it again. Saddam is how to purge. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the question who should read it, obviously the answer is absolutely no one, right? We could <laughs> give them away to our highest tier patrons. Spill a beer on think, it for I you. Think, <laughs> I think they'll stop being patrons <laughs> if we give them this. I think so too. <laughs> I think if you are like getting your PhD in Middle Eastern studies, then maybe read this for a laugh. Like amidst all your thousand page dry history texts. I, I don't know. Beyond that, I can't think of a Which, reason. when you're looking at the history of a desert, that's really dry. Yeah. <laughs> if you want weird bragging rights, I guess that. Achievement unlocked. Yeah, it's like, you read the dumbest thing in a while. Honestly, it wasn't the dumbest thing I've even read this year. It was dumb. There was no plot. It was very repetitive. It might have still been better than most of the Shades of Grey's. Shorter, at least. It was short. It was like a third the length. And it was just as repetitive, except they just repeated the sentences instead of like, my sex and his, his dick. And Buena Vista Social. <laughs> no one should read this. This is terrible. Even if you, are, if, you, if you are a Middle Eastern Studies PhD candidate, you probably would read it in Arabic. <laughs> you wouldn't want to read the shitty translation. Maybe you get more out of it. I mean, I, I'd like to think that the translation didn't make it worse, but I... I know that translation was not the issue. Uh, it's, I would, I, I, I wouldn't bet that it made it worse, but I would bet that it didn't make it better. <laughs> you know, like this is this is in it. terrible writing. And Saddam Hussein was the kind of guy that you know nobody was going to say no to him. And apparently, this was a big bestseller in Iraq. It was sold for the equivalent of a dollar, which was like the fucking annual earnings of some people. <laughs> yeah, but you had to buy it. Thank you for recommending this to us. And by th- and this is the same person, by the way, that recommended we read The Tattooist of Auschwitz. <sighs> I should say, when we read that, I thought she said I was crying through it. I, you know, because it's text. I didn't realize that she meant crying, laughing at how terrible it was. She did mean that. She, that's what she okay. meant. And I, uh. I, I think we might have said on that episode that she was, like, you know, sad. I mean, I was sad and I had to read it. If you were sad because, yeah, if you're, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's acceptable. 
So she really wants to. Po- I'm not sure if she likes our podcast. <laughs> she, <laughs> she never listens. She just she, just sends us the worst things she can think of, and we keep go doing read it. this shit shit book. I bet you dummies will read it. Yeah, I guess in the end, I'm I'm glad I read it once in my life. It's something I will remember more probably than half of the books we've read for this that I didn't like want to read. Like, oh, you have to read this book now. I was like, okay. And like, I know I read them, but I don't remember them. I think I'll remember this partly because there's nothing to remember. It's unique. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I read that Saddam Hussein book. Every once in a while, someone recommends a book and I'm like, didn't, didn't we read that? I think we did. <laughs> and then I have to go back and check. Like, yeah, we absolutely did read Blood Meridian. But <laughs> then I'll know we read this. Oh, we will, we will like, always remember. Did we Zabiba read Zabiba and the King? And the King? <laughs> Fun fact. The King and I is based on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, um, the her perspective version of the yeah. book. That's what it's called. Yeah. It wasn't as good as a musical version of Zabiba and the King, which I hope someone does one day. Apparently that exists. Uh, of course it does. I mean, why wouldn't it? It's just a series of duets. It's like, you know um, what recitative is in opera? It's you know, oh, like how yeah. opera has like I, I don't know how to say recitative. Like, yeah, you got to say it with your hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the That's arias the are the uh, Amadeus. The ari- arias are the you know the songs where they say like seven words, but it has the beautiful melodies. But then they need to advance the rest of the plot very rapidly. Exposition, so the song. Yeah, and it's called a recitative, and it's where they just kind of like speak. Uh, like like one or two notes, and then like, and then we went down to the town, and I had to buy a horse, and it turned out that the horse was actually not very really good. <laughs> and then like they tell you another chord, like but um, and then it turned out that that guy wanted to buy my horse, and they, it's like, what the fuck is this song? This is garbage, but it's in Italian, so you don't really know. This is that's that would be the entire musical of this. It's just It'd be three quarters that. until the chorale at the end of the community meeting. But Shamil has like a klezmer clarinet <laughs> solo. <laughs> It's like uh, it's like Peter and the Goose or whatever the fuck that thing was called. Uh, <laughs> Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> Peter and the I like Goose. Peter and the Goose better. <laughs> there was a goose. The goose was the clarinet. So <laughs> Peter was the goose Jewish. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think I think we're done with this shit book, right? I pray I to God that we are done with this book forever. I'll pray to any god. I'll pray to Marduk, Allah, Bath, Beth. That's an Egyptian one, right? Any Anything, just to not have to read it again. So thanks a lot for recommending it to us. It's been a journey. And and also, fuck you. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we... I just really, from the bottom of my heart. And if, you, and if you have the chance to read this book, don't. Don't. Yeah. I have half a beer here. I'll pour it out for Saddam, though, because he can't be here today. But in the meantime, why don't you tell us what you think? <laughs> Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Drunk Guys Book Club as in, uh, I was, gonna say, I was trying to think BC. of something called Bath. Uh, Drunk Guys BC, but I, I was trying to think of Bath and something C. Oh, crap, because this book is garbage. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And if you've listened this long and you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub where you can support the podcast, and we'd appreciate that. Or just leave us a review wherever you're listening. That also helps out a great deal. And check us out on Goodreads. This was not a good read. I give this one star. I give it one give star. I haven't, I haven't put it in yet, but I think this will give it as well. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent ear podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.